Welcome to The Definitive Rap, where we report the truth about American exceptionalism. We love our flag, we love our country, and we believe in America. The Definitive Rap, where we respect people of faith, the men and women in blue, and our support for Israel. And now, your hosts, Bela Sebrow and Cindy Gross. Together, they are The Definitive Rap. Hello, I'm Bela Sebrow, co-hosting today with Cindy Gross, and welcome to The Definitive Rap. We thank Venus for hosting our show. Today, we have a very special guest, Mr. Ken Abramowitz. Ken, a threat analyst, wrote a book that I couldn't put down when I read it called The Multi-Front War. America doesn't know it yet, but our country is, fight- is fighting an international war. The fact is that the war is being waged on various fronts, both internal and external. In our brief time today, Ken and his keen insight will explain with profound wisdom how America is fighting multiple enemies and people don't even know it. There are international threats facing our nation. For example, everything that happens in Iran to the riots in our streets, it's all part of one siege. And that's what we are actually fighting here is World War III. But due to false narratives, our leaders fail to see that. Today, we will learn how to defend America from political Islam, China, North Korea, Russia, Cuba, pandemics, and racial strife. And we will hear about their sympathizers, too. Kenneth Abramowitz is a managing general partner and co-founder of NGN Capital, a worldwide healthcare venture capital fund. He joined NGN from Carlisle Group in New York, where he was managing director from 2001 till 2003, focused on U.S. buyout opportunities in the healthcare industry. Prior to Carlisle, he was a partner and healthcare analyst at Sanford C. Bernstein and Company for 23 years, from 1978 to 2001. He was awarded the number one analyst in medical devices and services for 15 years by the Institutional Investor Magazine, which also placed him in the Wall Street Analyst Hall of Fame in 2009. Kenneth has published several notable studies on healthcare service companies, major medical mergers, and cardiovascular service innovation, device innovation. He currently serves on the board of directors of CardioValve and Curapedics. Kenneth has been a staunch supporter and contributor to various organizations that are fighting to preserve liberty and to protect America from political Islam and the radical left. He is the chairman of Citizens for National Security, CFNS, a Florida-based and grassroots national security advocacy organization. Ken is the founder of SaveTheWest.com, a website dedicated to saving America from itself. He's also an active board member for the American Center for Democracy, ACD. For these purposes, he gave 100 speeches per year for the past five years. Ken, before I ask you my first question, welcome to our show. Thank you very much for having me. I feel confident in speaking for our audience that for those who have not read The Multi-Front War, we would like a synopsis, not to give it all away, but please tell us what is your book about and what specifically prompted you to write it? 
Um, and I'd like to welcome you, Ken. Ken is a personal friend of mine. We've worked on many projects together. Uh, besides being a close friend, Ken is one of the strongest pro-Israel. Oh, yeah. W- anti- uh, fighting anti-Semitism around the world. Ken has devoted his life to this where Ken is such a successful professional person. He doesn't have to do this. He does this as a mission of love. And there are so many things behind the scenes that he does that few people know about that are true mitzvahs. Absolutely. So yes. uh, thank you very much for your, both of your introductions to me. Uh, I appreciate it very much. And, and they were very accurate too. So uh, uh, let me, uh, first preface uh, some things before I uh, answer the multiple questions. And that is that uh, some people might be interested in how I allocate my time. I work six days a week and I can't wait for Shabbat because uh, that's the only day I do not work. And I devote about three days a week to healthcare analysis and investment <laughs> and three days a week of public service uh, for Save the West and for Citizens for National Security and my hundred speeches a year uh, that that I give. And uh, so that's how I divide my time. And um, uh, the reason I I do that uh, started actually in 9-11. When 9-11 happened and shook the world, I decided to take one of my six days and devote it to national security just as a concerned citizen. And, uh, and as a professional analyst, I thought I, I could uh, analyze uh, some of the uh, problems facing the country better than the um, current array of analysts that I saw on television. And now, 20 years later, I'm up to about half of my time on national security and, and the other half, as I mentioned, on, on health care. So I go back and forth between the two issues every day. So uh, I'm happy to answer any specific questions you have about uh, well, my the synopsis. Book. If you can give us a synopsis of the book and uh, not, you know, not to give it away, but what specifically prompted you to write it? Uh, I felt compelled to write it. Uh, you know, the expression, I was on a mission from God, so to speak, a mission from Hashem. Uh, I, I, I just felt compelled to write it. Uh, for uh, my children, grandchildren, and for the country and, and for the world, because I felt that I had some insights, uh, again, as a professional analyst, I had some insights that I had to bring to bear to help people understand the situation, <laughs> whether the people are just uh, normal people like us or uh, our leaders, I just felt compelled. And most mm-hmm. particularly <laughs> what drove me is that I realized that America was fighting, in the book, I highlighted 40 different wars. You could call them challenges, issues, or dilemmas, but uh, I call them wars. It's more more dramatic. And so I identified 40 different wars, which I'll explain. And and it's very difficult for uh, political leaders to do 40 things at the same time. It's very difficult for anyone to do 40 things at the same time. And I realized that our political leadership was not capable of doing 40 things at the same time. Uh, they, they can barely do two things at the same time. Whereas I come from the corporate world and corporations can do 40 things at the same time okay. uh, because they have the management talent uh, to uh, uh, manage through 
uh, 40 different dilemmas or issues or problems uh, because they're, they're run uh, like a business with the chief executive officer and under that person, a chief operating officer, and then all the divisional managers that, that run the show. Uh, and, and so all I did was try to bring normal business common sense to government issues, which, which you could say, well, that, that, what's the insight there? Well, the insight is that corporations function very well. They, they know how to make money. They're basically money machines. Uh, sometimes they get involved in woke nonsense. Uh, we'll discuss that later. But in general, as money machines, they, they know what they're doing. And the government doesn't know what it's doing. And so that's why I wrote the book, to bring business common sense to uh, our government officials <clears throat> for their benefit and our benefit. <clears throat> um, now, let me also mention, why, why are there 40 wars? Uh, uh, actually, as I go on, I realize there, there's more wars, but um, focusing, uh, 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 actually, now I, I look at it more like 80 wars. After I wrote the book, I said, wait a minute, uh, I should have added this and this and that and that. Sure. But the, the way to think about it is there's, there's about 15 bad guys, enemies of America, uh, but they fit into three categories. Um, reds, greens, and blues. The reds are the communists. Uh, the greens are the Islamists. The blues are the globalists. And these enemies are enemies both within our borders and outside of our borders. So think of the um, uh, those as to make it simple. Those three enemies. Uh, we'll we'll discuss in detail more uh, uh, who, who's within those categories. And then there's six forms of warfare. There's physical war, obviously. There's cultural war, where you fight with words. There's economic war, where you fight with dollars. Legal war, where you fight with lawyers. Demographic war, when you fight with moving populations around. And number six, cyber. So in this example, if you had three bad guys, and uh, the reds, the greens, and the blues, and you have six forms of warfare, that's 18 wars right there. Uh, to further complicate things, the three uh, categories, the reds, the greens, and the blues, actually incorporate 15 bad guys. So if you multiply 15 bad guys times six forms of war, it's 90. But not all bad guys use all six forms of warfare. And that's why it comes out to uh, 80. Although in the book, I highlighted 40 because uh, I thought that that was like a huge number. And then after I published the book, I said, uh, to quote my uh, 12-year-old grand granddaughter, OMG, uh, I should have added this and I should have added that. Oh, and I so see a sequel. sequel. <laughs> you can yeah, see a sequel right, to that book. Right. In the sequel, it'll be the 80 front <coughs> uh, war. <laughs> oh, who knows? By then, it'll, I'll be up to 100 fronts. Who knows? And, uh, and uh, so, so that's the quick summary of the book. It's uh, how to look at multiple wars and then how to manage multiple wars. Again, you could say that multiple challenges or, or dilemmas. Uh, you don't have to use the word war. But uh, I, I look, I put it all together and I say this is World War Three. Basically, every country is fighting every country. And not that there's bombs blowing up every way. Remember, physical war is only one of six ways of fighting each other. 
And then I, I'll just conclude and uh, answer some questions that I, I have a joke with, when, when I, uh, that I use sometimes in my speeches. I say to the audience, how long has this war been going on? And there's like a, a silence. It, it, it's, a, it's a joke. Uh, and, and some people try to answer it seriously. And then someone in the audience said, hasn't the war been going on forever? And I go, yes, you got it. Human beings just like to fight each other. And, uh, and we see that in the Torah. Uh, every, every other passage, uh, chapter, there is a, there's a fight be- between someone and someone. And uh, it, uh, it's, the fight's always good versus evil. And, and, and that's just the Torah. And so, uh, and, uh, and it doesn't include all the fighting that took place uh, 5,000 years ago. So, uh, yes, the war has been going on forever. And the war is between good and evil. And I'm going to define good and evil for you uh, in current American terms. Uh, good uh, is, uh, are, would be people who believe in life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness for 100% of the population. Evil would be people who believe in life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness for 10% of the population. Themselves, their friends, their uh, crony capitalists. So uh, to me, the force of good and evil hasn't changed since the Torah. And, 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 and just the names have changed, uh, but not the battle between good and evil. So that's the quick summary of the book. So you've done so much. The book came out last year. Actually, it's my book. The book came out last year. And of course, our listeners can find it on Amazon and they can get it. And of course, reaching out to Ken through his organization, Save the West. And uh, he has regular podcast updating uh, listeners and followers of his about international relations. And I was lucky enough to participate recently and he really is focusing a lot on Iran. And even though we discussed Iran, like Ken said, this could go all over the place. You just listened yesterday to our president's uh, press conference. We're at war with each other here, so we don't have to look any further. But you, you always, even when I call you for advice, and you always have these great anal- you know, codes, simple things to remember, how to problem and how to solve. And you had your newest one that I really like is the red, green, and blue approach. Please explain it to our audience. Okay. The reds, the greens, and the blues all believe in life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness for 10% of the population. So I call, and therefore I call them evil because I, I believe that 100% of the people have a right to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness as the Declaration of Independence highlighted. And by the way, when the Founding Fathers created the Declaration of Independence, they were very religious people. And they took the wisdom uh, of, of the Torah and the New Testament, put it together, and, and created a secular series of documents like the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, the Bill of Rights. But those documents very well reflect uh, the Bible. Okay. And um, so, uh, but they, they put it into modern day terms, well, 250 years ago, modern day terms of life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness would have been their summary uh, of the Torah, the lesson of the Torah, which is that 100% of the people uh, uh, deserve and have a right to life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness. Right, right. Can... So let's go into yeah, the... Go I'm sorry. No, so let me go into the, the reds, the greens, and the blues. And... 
so the uh, and remember uh, we're being attacked abroad and internally. So these are are uh, uh, it's not. For example, the Reds are, are China and Russia. So you can say, all right, well, they're, they're over there. So uh, what does that have to do with me? I live here. They're, they're over there. And uh, I don't know what you're talking about. And, and my response is, just because a bad guy is over there doesn't mean a bad guy stays there. Just because uh, they, on the map it says China or it says Russia uh, or North Korea, those would be the, the Reds. By the way, so, so would Cuba, uh, Venezuela be in the red category, uh, Nicaragua. Uh, so there's other red states. Uh, they're all trying to invade America uh, uh, using, not all, it depends, uh, but using the six forms of warfare, remember? The physical, the, the uh, cultural, uh, economic, legal, demographic, and cyber. So we're being attacked all the time, for example, through cyber, China, Russia, North Korea, it's nonstop attacks against us, our government, our corporations, our individuals. And um, so we're in a state of war with those countries. Now, the reason we're in a state of war with them is they're, they're in a state of war with us. Now, we, we don't wake up in the morning and say, uh, oh, let's go fight somebody. Oh, let's go blow somebody up. And, uh, but they, they wake up. Not, not the people, but the, the 10% of the people who are basically the criminal organizations running those countries wake up and say, uh, how, how can I steal technology from America? How can I undermine America? How, how can uh, 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 I take over the world? Uh, ba basically, the reds, the greens, and the blues, uh, remember I said they're all evil, but they all, all also want to take over the world. <laughs> we don't wake up in the morning and say, oh, I live in America. Let's go take over the world. <laughs> So they wake up and say, I'm the president of China. I want to take over the world. Now, how do I do that? I'm the president of Russia. I'm the president of North Korea. Uh, all the bad guys want to take over the world uh, uh, or extort money from the good guys uh, by um, not taking over the world in return for money. It's known as extortion. So, um, so that's the Reds. Let's go to the Greens. The Greens are the Islamists. Uh, that would be Iran, uh, the uh, Shiite uh, Muslims, which represent 15% of Muslims. And then uh, on the Sunni side, the other 85%, you have Turkey and Qatar, who are supporting the Muslim Brotherhood, as is Pakistan. So those would be the Islamist countries. I'm not talking about Muslim countries. I'm talking about Islamist countries. Mm -hmm. There's a big, big difference between Muslims and Islamists. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, Islam is both a religion and a political movement. Uh, as uh, uh, most of the Muslim countries use uh, Islam as a religion or believe in Islam as a religion. But these handful of countries, uh, Iran, Turkey, Qatar, Pakistan, use uh, Islam as a political weapon in order to rule over its own people and intimidate its neighbors, and eventually take over the world. Mm. So I'm talking about the politicization of the religion of Islam. And, and that term is, is called Islamist, uh, or radical Islam, uh, or political Islam. Uh, and then on the blues, uh, it's color-coded blue for the United Nations Cutler. <laughs> um, and, but it also includes corporations. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, 
for example, Google, Apple. Uh, these are all organizations that uh, have no allegiance to the U.S. And, and manage themselves on a worldwide basis, which is fine as a business. But what happens is when you're dealing with China, which provides a lot of growth for the future of these countries, and then China uh, imposes restrictions on freedom of speech, instead, these companies could have said, hey, look, uh, Mr. China CCP uh, agent, uh, I'm an American company. Uh, we believe in the Constitution Bill of Rights. Uh, we, we don't accept uh, infringement on freedom of speech. And, and, and I'm not going to do that. Uh, for you uh, uh, against the interests of my um, members or subscribers or users. And, and to which China says, okay, so I guess you said you don't want to do business in China. Bye-bye. And then the corporation said, no, no, I, I love China. You provide so much growth for my company, which helps my uh, earnings growth and helps my stock price. And, and I, I want to do business in China. So they say, well, these are the rules. And otherwise, you're out. And they go, okay, fine. I used to be an American company, but now I'll just pretend to be an American company and I'll follow your rules because I want your access to your market. So uh, uh, those would be the globalists. So, so the reds, the greens, and the blues are infecting, so to speak, not only our foreign policy, they're also infecting our domestic policy. And so that's why it's... It, it's different than World War II. World War II, 99% of the war was fought either in Europe or the Far East, as opposed to in America. Uh, uh, this war is, is uh, World War III. Ha half of the war is in the U.S. And half of the war is fighting our enemies outside. So this actually is a World War III. Uh, actually, going to my uh, original joke, uh, you could call this World War One because it's been going on since the beginning of humans. Mm -hmm. And about since we've already named World War One and World War II, uh, obviously, uh, I call this World War Three, which is a war between essentially all countries against each other. Right, right. So, Ken, you are, like myself, very involved in the Republican Party and we share a lot of interest and a lot of we have a lot of friendships with a lot of people on different levels of government. And everybody keeps saying with everything you describe so well, and it's not just a Jewish issue, it's a worldwide issue from all backgrounds. Everybody's so sure Republicans are going to take back the House and take back the Senate and we're going to get the White House in 2024 with all of the time you spend analyzing and all the relationships you have with elected officials. Are you thinking that this is a sure thing? Well, it would be a sure thing if, if I were the campaign manager uh, of, <laughs> of uh, everybody's Good answer. <laughs> <laughs> so I know how to do it, uh, but I'm, I'm obviously not the campaign manager uh, of the uh, of uh, all the senators and all the House members and the presidential candidates. So um, one of the problems with the Republicans is the Republicans uh, are not tough enough on the Democrats. Uh, the Democrats are actually not Democrats. They're communists, they're socialists, they're progressives, which is actually regressive. Uh, they, they use terminology that's opposite of the truth. So, um, the, the Democrats want to take us back into time before Abraham. They want to take us back 3,800 years into the past, 
when the kings had all the power. And we, the people, were just servants or slaves or subjects of the king. And then Abraham came on the scene 3,800 years ago. And then uh, the next 500 years of history is is basically uh, 50 weeks out of 52 weeks of of Torah reading and uh, setting up the rule of law and setting up uh, respect for the individual and protections for the individual. And as again, as our founding fathers summarized, setting up protections to protect the life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness of 100% of the population. This was the great innovation of Abraham and, 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 and Moshe and everyone in between, and 500 years of history, uh, and captured it in the Torah. Uh, just a re, uh, remarkable uh, book beyond comprehension. Every year I read it, uh, I, I get more amazed uh, at the insights uh, in the Torah. By the way, another joke I have every year I read it, I read a certain sentence or, uh, and I go, oh, that sentence wasn't there last year. Who, who snuck that in? And then I laugh to myself. I say, oh, yeah, it, it was there the year before. I, I didn't see it. I didn't understand it. I didn't internalize it. And so uh, every year that goes on, uh, I, I learn uh, more and more uh, about the Torah, uh, uh, as we all do. Uh, because of the complexity of what it stands for. Ken, um, just one more question about your book. We're very short on time. I have one more question about your book, and then I want to talk about your site. We're trying to get everything in in the 30 minutes we have together. Um, In your book, you use history to make many of your arguments, such as the rise of communism after World War II and the resurgence of socialism in the mainstream Western world today. Can you tell us about that, please? And also, what we want to know is, who are the sympathizers of our enemies in the United States and democratic countries? Okay. The, That's a lot for five minutes. Yeah, go yeah. ahead. So, so, so j- just it's a break. lot. It's a lot. So we're trying to get the, our audience all the information they need. Yeah, so, so just break oh, it down. So they read the book. <laughs> one, one, question, uh, one question at a time. So what's, what's, let me answer one question, then we go to sure. another question. We'll do it fast. So tell me what you want me to uh, respond. So I would like to know, um, you use uh, uh, many arguments such as uh, the rise of communism. You you talk about history and you make many of your arguments such as the rise of communism after World War II and the resurgence of of, uh, socialism, the mainstream Western world today. So can you tell us a little bit about that? Uh, Yes. So let's go back into history a little bit uh, very quickly. Um, uh, when did anti-Semitism begin? So it's a joke. Uh, when when the first Semite began, so to speak, 3,800 years ago. Why do people hate Jews? Because Jews represent the rule of law. Now, if you're a king, you, you don't care about the rule of law. All you care about is you are the law, so right. to speak. So, um, so the rise of uh, Judaism 3,800 years ago, followed by Christianity about 2,000 years ago, uh, the Old Testament, the New Testament, created Judeo-Christian uh, history, philosophy, tradition, uh, culture, respect for the individual, respect for democracy. So uh, as a Judeo-Christian culture grew, it's now uh, uh, about half of the world is, uh, uh, and I include Hindus, by the way, even though they're not really part of Judeo-Christian uh, uh history is they believe in the rule of law in democracy. So we have half the world now in a democracy. So who are the enemies? And historically, 1400 years ago, 
uh, Muhammad uh, came on the scene, uh, created Islam and Islam as a religion and political movement and took over maybe a third of the world at that time. That war has been going on. The War of the Greens, uh, primarily against the Christians, has been going on for 1,400 years. About 200 years ago, uh, uh, almost 200 years ago, Karl Marx came on the scene and wrote a book, uh, uh, an economic uh, fiction book called Das Kapital, about capital, and he created the false narrative of communism. That war has been going on for about 200 years. And then in uh, around 1946 or so, uh, we set up the United Nations. It previously had uh, been the League of Nations about 100 years ago. So let's just say 100 years ago with the League of Nations began, began the globalist movement. Uh, and that was an attack on democracy because what the global elite said, oh, the people are too stupid to make decisions, but I'm so smart. So I'm going to make the decisions for the stupid people. So the war, the globalists declared war on democracy 100 years ago, the communists uh, 200 years ago, and the Islamists 1,400 years ago, and we're still fighting those wars. So that pretty much answered both questions. So we just have uh, three more minutes left of the show. Um, if you can tell us about your site, Save the West, I understand that you created it to save Western civilization, probably from itself. People can sometimes be their own worst enemy. But why now? Well, the, uh, I'm, I'm watching democracy crumble around the world. Half the people live in a democracy, half live in a dictatorship or authoritarian government. And, and I want everyone to live under democracy. I want to take over the world, not as an individual. <laughs> not as a country, but as a concept. Uh, I want everybody to enjoy life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, 100% of the population and 100% of the countries. So, by the way, I color code ourselves yellow for the sunlight of Western civilization. And I see the reds, the greens, and the blues uh, uh, declaring war on us uh, and, and succeeding because half of us are uh, weak-minded, and are susceptible to the false narratives of the reds, the greens, and the blues, because the false narratives sound good, but they, they, they don't deliver good. Right. Uh, you know, I, I can, you know, if I were marketing uh, or talking to children, and I said to kids, uh, pretend they could vote, vote for me, and you can have uh, unlimited chocolate bars, unlimited lo- lollipops, mm-hmm. and you don't go to school. And, and you can just go to the amusement parks uh, uh, all day long, you know, like Pinocchio. You know, they, the kids would go, yay, I, I, I love this guy. But I'm not doing any good for the kids. Right. And so um, so half of our uh, population is, is susceptible to the false narratives of the reds and the greens and the blues. And I want to give people intellectual weapons, so to speak, or intellectual shields to protect themselves from the false narratives of the reds, the greens, and the blues. Right. So what are, so what are the necessary aspects to saving Western civilization? <laughs> In 30 seconds, I don't think Ken could do that. I, <laughs> I, 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 like teaching I, the Torah I, on one foot. Yeah. Everybody I, should go to savethewest.com, learn about it. Uh, it's a very active website. You can learn all the information. Reach out to Ken there. Uh, he has this has been going on for years, this project, and he, it's all in detail there. Can you just give us just a very brief, just very briefly? Well, you have to play offense and defense. It's no more complicated than a football game. Okay. So you have to have your act together. By that, I mean the, the yellows. 
we have to affirm to our children, grandchildren, to everybody that we believe in life, living, and pursuit of happiness for 100% okay. of the population. Simultaneously, sure. we have to fight the enemies. We have to talk about the evil inherent in the reds, the greens, and the blues, explain why they're evil, and, and fight them, and, and, and not just keep playing defense. We have to play uh, just like a football game. You have to play half 50% defense, 50% offense. And we have to go after the false narratives, the reds, the greens, and the blues. And we have to defend our true narrative of the yellows. Excellent. That was perfect. Um, we are out of time. I urge our audience to purchase The Multi-Front War by Kenneth Abramowitz, one of the best books that is concise, informative, and a real eye-opener to what our eyes are being shut to in the Western world today. Ken, thank you for joining us. Thank you to our audience for tuning in. And thank you to Vin News for hosting our show. A pleasure. Pleasure to be with both of you. Thanks for listening to The Definitive Wrap with your hosts, Bela Seabrow and Cindy Gross. Be sure to tell your family and friends they also can catch The Definitive Wrap on Apple Music, Spotify, Google Play, and your favorite streaming service. See you next time on The Definitive Wrap.